Hi, I'm Ira Joy, and welcome to Dear Future Boss, a podcast about the things I've learned being young, creative, and unemployed. Our guest on today's episode is Darcy Reed, a recent media graduate with a passion for filmmaking, sound design and music. As a multifaceted creator, he is constantly working to broaden his experience across all aspects of the film industry. Darcy, welcome to the podcast. Hi, it's good to be here. Now, I don't know what week of lockdown we're at. Is it week eight, week nine? (laughs) I feel like people are taking it in the days or months and it's just like any amount <laughs> <laughs> well it's, it's at least been over a month yeah um, which is crazy because we're you know nearing the middle of the year but I want to know how you've been going how has the last month or so been treating you I think weird's probably the easiest word to like branch out into everything because like I've been I graduated in October I was looking for work the last like six months basically I felt like I was getting a lot of like momentum getting a couple of interviews and stuff and then basically this happened at the start of March and then it just went to nothing immediately so just been kind of figuring out everything after that and what's the process like figuring things out how <laughs> how far ahead in the future do you look or are you just taking it day by day I think at the start I was trying to like look at everything as a big picture and it just wasn't healthy or useful really so I just started going everything day by day. I used to like reading the news every morning and then it just ended up being too draining. So then I have to like limit myself to only read in the afternoon where I'm in like a better mood. And then, yeah, I'm just kind of at this point, just like looking for anything that's available, try to figure out how the industry is reacting so that I can figure out where I sit in it going mm. forward. And it's interesting because you mentioned that you uh, you recently graduated, so you were in that space of really looking forward and trying to build momentum in the the job application, the job search. So, mm. so what does that look like then for you? Does that have you changed the way you're approaching uh, the job search? Does it mean you're you've have you has it affected you in a sense of made you feel a bit hesitant to to look for new jobs? I think hesitant's the right word because I think I, when this was happening, I was trying to, when I was looking to apply for places that weren't advertising for jobs, trying to figure out how they would be reacting themselves to everything and like, can I do anything by emailing, trying to join their company or are they freaking out even more than I am and then I wouldn't be able to help in any way or they don't have the resources for me to come on board basically trying to like gauge everything and then through emailing which is another difficult thing because it's you can only go so far at an email compared to a face-to-face conversation with someone and what has the reaction been like from companies do you feel what are some of the things that you've come across in terms of how they've dealt with you know their recruiting and hiring what have you experienced i mean most people have just basically been saying like I'm sure you can understand why we can't take anyone on at this time. They've tried to be really compassionate on both ends, I think. Have both people understand what's going on and try to stress that like the position could be available or will be available in the future. Like they still want these roles filled, but they can't at the moment. So it's just kind of flexing between having an optimistic and pessimistic kind of view of everything because it's like in the future, this role will still be there. But then like right now, 
you're just kind of waiting everything out. Yeah, in our previous episode, uh, I spoke to my friend Rochelle, who works in the education sector, and she mentioned that contrary to what you might be feeling that it, it probably is a good time to look for work and to continue to look for work because the pressure isn't on you that there is that as you've said this understanding that everyone is dealing with the uncertainty of what how the economy is going to bounce back and what the workforce is going to look like so perhaps it's okay if you keep applying knowing that there is a likelihood that people will come back and say that you know, we're not moving on this role yet or whatnot. But do you feel that in some ways there is that relief that it's not about you or your potential, that it's about how employers are being challenged? Yeah, I get that. But then it's hard to know knowing that what I'm supposed to really be doing in these couple months if I also know that I'm not responsible to an extent about that sort of aspect of looking for work mm-hmm. so, so on that note what are your biggest challenges then in in regards to not only your you know your ambitions and and how you move forward with your career but what are the challenges day to day like how does how are you navigating your way through figuring out what you need to do i think yeah i think the day-to-day kind of motivation for, to do anything really you're just kind of pushing through each day trying to give yourself something to do each day to kind of keep you going through all of it trying to give yourself like a task like I've been trying to upskill in random programs and stuff that I know people will eventually need especially in the media industry where the more things you know it's kind of more helpful to everyone if you can ask one person to do a large amount of jobs than just have one niche where I know sound is the one niche that I have but I'd rather be able to explore all of them basically so maybe tell us more about that what else are you doing and working on to improve your skills on a more broader level so i'm going through all of like the adobe products just from <laughs> premiere down i've because i know a lot about sound all pro tools all the audio equipment live sound all that sort of area and then i'm trying to repurpose that into media programs uh, yeah mainly like after effects those sort of ones that it wasn't really being taught at uni and now i feel like people are asking for anyway especially nowadays like the work from home kind of dynamic the graphic designers is kind of like the main job that is thriving basically and and yeah at a time when no one really needs no one can film with video so it's all animation really Yes, and that's interesting because as an emerging creative just on the verge of building a career, it's hard for you not to factor in how the industry has been shaken up because it means that you do have to adapt. You're, you're having to adapt your skills to you know jobs that might be more in demand. But from your perspective, what kind of impact is this pandemic having on the film industry specifically because that's the industry you want to work in? What, what things have you been seeing that has a big impact on how that sector is changing? Well, I guess the main thing is like all of the immediate industries that best had to shut down, mainly like cinemas, live music, much like film production. You can't film in large groups very quickly. It became you can't pretty much film anywhere because you would just get fined. So pretty much the entire industry just kind of had to wait until it's okay to have crews again. Yeah, trying to figure out what the industry is going to 
how, how are they going to adapt everything? It's been interesting to see how um, like the cinema industry has been trying to figure everything out. So like in America, the AMC theaters have been threatening Universal after Universal was pretty much gloating how well the movie Trolls World Tour was going um, on VOD and renting services. So they're trying to, basically AMC is the largest theater company in America. They have about a thousand theaters. They hire tens of thousands of staff. So you can understand why they're very threatened by this and they're like responsible for so many people. Whereas in uh, Australia, the smaller companies have kind of banded together, like um, Lido, Classic Cinemas, Cameo, and the Ritz in Sydney. They've all combined to pretty much build their own VOD service on their own website. So you can rent movies straight from them to try and like adapt and not have cinemas available so that you can still support them by uh, watching movies from them, but obviously without physically being able to go there. And it's interesting to see how different companies have taken on board the, the challenges. You know, there mm. is that um, it, it's a lot of it's forcing them to innovate, right? And to forcing them to, you know, readapt their content in ways that they can actually reach people that don't mean we have to see, you know, you have to go to see a movie physically in person. So streaming obviously has been something that's been um, yeah. really booming out of this. Mm. Um, what are your thoughts about that in terms of how film companies have to now think of new ways to distribute? Do you think that's harming the original creation of, of certain films or does it present an opportunity to, to do something different? I, I think it's probably too early to figure out like long-term how like the economics of this will impact everyone. Cause like the cinema release is still the largest part of the film industry. That's where the billions come in. So it's hard to know exactly how like streaming and renting like will affect everyone, like how willing people are to rent a movie for $18, like for an entire family, instead of going to a cinema $20 each. Mm, and try mm. to figure out that sort of market. But then at the same time, because every large scale movie hasn't, has either pushed back their release or like are waiting it out indefinitely or Christopher Nolan's movie Tenet, which is standing firm that he's definitely going to release his movie in July, regardless of what anyone says. That's the most, like the next movie that technically hasn't pushed back its release yet. So mm. the, first movie back into cinema should be this and he's really pushing that movie to be the like savior of the cinema industry right that's (laughs) yes and that's you know (laughs) a classic sort of you know stubborn director (laughs) kind of move that you know this is my work i have the you know complete creative control but i guess i'd love to hear though as a you as an emerging creative and someone who's passionate about film but also as a consumer Mm. How how do you foresee yourself adapting? Like you mentioned before that you're not sure that people will be inclined to pay for, you know, movies in the way that they would pay to actually go to a cinema. What would you be prepared to do, I guess, if it means that we cinema is going to take a while to bounce back? Do you think more resources should be poured into the sustainability of streaming and creators getting their work distributed online yeah i I think i'd be interested to see like hey yeah how this Lido cameo vod kind of amalgamation they only just created how that 
will keep going going forward because it could be a really interesting way to get smaller films out into the world in a mm. larger spotlight without having to try and get Netflix to pick up an Australian program, which has only happened, I think, four times now. Right. In five years. Like, it's not something they can really rely on. Like, we pretty much only have Stan to kind of rally around for Australian content. Yeah. So, in in a way, perhaps, as you said, it, it will be advantageous for independent makers. Mm that maybe in you know streaming has already had some impact in getting emerging creatives work expo- exposure for them so what other opportunities are you seeing with with how the pandemic has shaken things up like what does that mean for you now as a filmmaker and a, a sound designer does that mean there is more opportunity for you to look at other ways rather than having to rely on getting picked up by a, an established production house getting distribution does that provide some sort of encouragement i think yeah i think because like it's pretty much all the smaller companies that have to adapt like it may seem a while ago but netflix was the small company adapting to blockbuster to fight out this large corporation they had to adapt online and they then they became the larger company so it's more about yeah how a small company can adapt and i'm hoping in some way that for me my idea is that sound is always going to be important and that's always felt like the biggest jump from like a s- amateur, small, independent sort of project into a pr- more professional one is the quality of the sound. And I'm trying to introduce that and try and work off that to be able to give that to l- smaller projects. And it's something that a lot of people overlook, isn't it? Cause yeah, it, exactly. It, but then if it's done, if sound is done very poorly, it's immediately... <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's the thankless... Yeah. <laughs> all, all these years working in sound, it's the thankless job that people only appreciate when it's like, yeah, the, something interesting <laughs> happened. But then most of the time it's like, oh, this one bit didn't sound well, like good mm. in any way. Yeah. And I know that, you know, from kind of seeing what's happening out there, especially in the online space, that um, voice technology there's a real kind of focus on that being the next thing, whether Mm. it's even, you know, just Google Home and Siri. Like I think a lot of people are recognising the power of sound and that's the reason why, you know, we're having this conversation today on a podcast that Mm. there is real opportunity there. And in many ways, to circle back to what you said about the economics, is it perhaps an opportunity for, you know, sound designers like you and and people who are playing the audio space to kind of cut through because it is a more efficient medium, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I'd say so. Because it's definitely something that you can do on your own with a brief and kind of work through that way. I just wonder if it's a, if it'll just get pushed more into a freelance spot instead of being able to be worked into a larger, like, yeah, production house, that sort of mm. thing. Because that's kind of the area I'm trying to get into is to work inside a company and learn from a whole bunch of people, which mm. is something I'm worried about if we're going to strive in to have more, if work at home becomes the more traditional way to have media companies, then if a recent graduate much comes from a media course that much teaches you like a certain way and then you work in small groups or on your own through all, all these projects, then you get into a company and then you're expected to just work at home and work on projects like that I don't really know how you improve Mm. all that much 
So your concern is is the lack of training. Learning the craft at uni is one thing, but being able to apply that to a real working environment is another. Mm. So is your worry not being given the foundation to actually be better at your job or is it more about you lacking the sort of environment where you can work collaboratively with people in real life? I think life? it's mainly the environment, yeah. Like you're mm. kind of wanting to learn from more experienced people instead of kind of everyone working on their own and then coming together at the end kind of to Mm. piece it together. Like I've worked on sound projects where it's like, I'll give, they'll give me a small brief and kind of like, this is the stuff that I need like fixed or improved upon. And then I send back and there isn't really that collaboration that I think a like a bunch of people in a room hashing it out sort of thing kind of gets. That highlights to me, you know, what a lot of, you know, young people like you and a lot of our generation are seeking for. It is that culture. You're looking for ways you can collaborate with other creative people and it's very different from, you know, simply being able to build a lucrative freelancing business Mm. on the side. You know, perhaps for you it's more about the foundations and the relationships that you're building with people with a common goal rather than you just, as you said, freelancing and just doing your thing. I'd like to know more about your experience with freelance because you have dipped your toe in it. What does that look like for you know young people who might be considering it or might be forced to sort of doing freelance work? You know, as a sound designer, take us through the steps of what's involved. Well, be mainly piecing together like the sounds that I'll need to, to figure out like the audio that they have and fix that up. Like that's a large portion of it's always someone else's project and kind of touching up their audio, their sound, trying to piece it all together, touching it up from start to finish and kind of sending it back. And there isn't really a, there isn't much of a back and forth, especially in like really like very small projects where the other person is pretty upfront about not really knowing how sound works or how like what they're really asking me to do besides make this uh (laughs) make this audio track sound better like can you get rid of the wind (laughs) like all those sort of aspects that you can you can do but no one really knows how you're doing it (laughs) right well I think that in many ways that you can feel empowered in that that you have carved out that niche where you have the skills to be able to improve and enhance other people's Mm -hmm. projects but I suppose what you said before about wanting to be in an environment where you're really learning from people and seeing it firsthand it's it's important to you but you said that you were upskilling and you're obviously looking for online resources to learn new things what would be the difference though for you working in an actual with an actual company versus what you can learn on your own online i think everyone has like a certain way of learning something and i find it interesting i think it's a good way to reference yourself of like watching tutorials of something you already know about and basically watch their way of doing the same thing that you know and kind of see if they do it a different way and it's more effective or if they do it and it's worse so you can figure out that not everyone's way of learning something's ideal to you and you're and I think hands-on is always going to be a better way especially to someone that you respect that you're going to follow and learn through them instead of 
kind of yeah figuring out through youtube and then yes <laughs> for yourself yeah has there been resources though that you found online that have been valuable to your learning are there any that um you you recommend to your peers i was big on linda for as long as um uni was paying for it because it's quite a like it's a very large uh like resource uh website that has a lot of training videos everything from sound video animation music all that and you can follow it like step by step and that's always been helpful i think trial and error has always been mm. another way i've gone about it for someone who's done a degree and you actually you've got a couple you've got a diploma as well under your belt advanced diploma yeah. yes yes sound, yeah. yes so having had that training what's fascinating to me is that you're still seeking for ways to skill up and yeah, to yeah. learn more why is that important to you to still continue to research and learn more about things that you you've already had experience in? I mean, we can always get better at everything. Like I did my sound course four years ago now, and I've still improved upon it insanely since then. And even like looking back on previous projects I've worked on in video and sound in like, like three years and how, like I just la like cringe at how, how <laughs> like big the difference is. So like there's always a higher place to strive for. Mm -hmm. And then, and I've always found it kind of interesting to jump into a program I've never used before, like After Effects or Illustrator and kind of piece together stuff from other programs I know and try to work through it that way. And there's obviously that the fact that technology is moving so quickly that <laughs> it's impossible mm. for us to to you know, keep up and to always be confident in everything that's you know every new release or every software update. Yeah, so, it's constantly updating, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah I completely empathize <laughs> with that. But I guess what I would encourage young creatives to think about is that you you have skills, you already have these skills, you already have these accreditation and the ability to to learn uh, to pick up a new tool or to you know to pick up a new concept you ha that's already inbuilt in you and i think that's sometimes um where kind of taking the leap from education into the workforce can make you hesitant because you feel like you maybe don't know enough to be already working yeah, yeah. would you agree that that's yeah. part of sort of the anxiety well especially because like in the process of applying for jobs and looking at job roles and what um, like the list of things that are required from you and like only ticking half the boxes and trying to figure out mm. when I would have ever had access to this other half of boxes I'm trying to tick. <laughs> There's a job that um, I'm actually waiting on an interview now at some point in the next week or so that like the list of requirements they had that they're expecting one person to know. Like I don't know who's ever done all of these things but like I can tip tick more than half so like that's that <laughs> like an uh, amount of confidence that I can have going in that's actually an important you know issue that you've raised there because it's something that you know I've personally experienced but that I constantly see even on the other side of things you know from the employer's point of view as a recruiter there is this wish list that you have mm. when you're trying to hire someone and <laughs> as amazing as it would be to have all those qualities and all those skills in one person it is virtually impossible and i i completely empathize with how that affects you as a job seeker mm. because it plays on your you know <laughs> on your well, confidence yeah when, you, yeah when you're constantly looking at like what people are looking for 
and it's things that you don't know about. You kind of feel pressured to just start learning them to even just a basic degree. Let's go into specifics, like, you know, without mentioning the employer, but just <laughs> from experience, like for an entry-level job, for something mm. that you know by title, you know, by compensation that is, is what you're qualified for as a recent graduate, list some of the things that they're, they're asking for. Like tell, tell us, I'm sure there'll be a lot of people listening that can relate. Well, yeah, it's a lot of... Uh... Like, do you know your way around a DSLR camera? Have you done copywriting? Have you done editing for certain places like that? Have you worked in like social media? Have you done stuff in like uh, SEO or all that sort of place that isn't really ever touched on in the degree that I did at least, but then try to like extrapolate that into things that I've sort of done and try to know that I don't have direct experience with things, but know that like tangentially I've explored those sort of areas. What you've just listed there is to me, that's three separate roles. <laughs> you've yeah, exactly. got, you've well, got, you yeah. know, yeah, you've got photography, you've got social media, you've got marketing, copywriting. Mm. Essentially those can be three different roles. And, yeah. and as opposed um, companies, it's the ideal because if you can have one person that delivers on all of those, your costs immediately go down. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, yeah, that's what, like going back to the fact that we're pandemic and we don't really know what these companies like resources are going forward that I feel like all these graduates and people trying to break in are expected to be four people at once because these people can't actually hire four people. And that's the thing. There are two sides to every coin. And I think, you know, as um, someone with experience in small business, I get how that is for people who don't have the resource to, to hire more people for that role but then I don't know that it balances that out that much because then you are you know expecting to to get somebody with all those skills but prepared to be compensated at an entry level but then typically what you'd actually need is someone with the years of experience and people with those years of experience don't come as kind of as cost effectively as you know Mm. a, a fresh graduate so there's yeah it is a bit of a I think it's always been a challenge pre-COVID-19. This has always been uh, one of the challenges, but I think there's opportunity for us to really review that whole thing because I I think it's important that as a young creative that you are upskilling and that you're diversifying your skill sets. We're no longer in a world where you can just be one niche and that be enough to create a sustainable career. I think you need to be well-versed across a range of things or adaptable Mm. at least to work behind a camera or you know with online software but also have the ability to write in a more traditional Mm. way as well like you need all of those skills but I think as a word of encouragement I guess to you to you and your (laughs) peers you know don't feel that you need to have all those things um straight off the bat because the whole point of you know um getting a job is 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 learning and to and to settle in and to continue to grow employers who expect that from someone they're hiring straight away are a little bit delusional. Yeah. They're like expecting a finished product basically. Yes. Where they're not hiring for a finished product. And it's, yeah. Correct. And they're hiring for the wrong reasons. They're hiring, uh, wanting somebody to solve all of their immediate problems. So if that, mm. if that's the case, there's more work to be done from um, an executive level before you kind of get somebody on board because you mentioned before with your freelancing that a lot of the people that brief you and expect you to enhance their products don't know anything about <laughs> the process mm. <laughs> and what the work you actually do right so it's 
Do you think that that's um, another challenge with regards to creative jobs, that there is this sense that the workforce is unaware or perhaps maybe even overlooks the work that we actually do? I think they like see the value in it. They just don't really know how to imp- like improve it themselves. Like how do they they don't really have the language to explain to someone why this piece of media that they've created for them isn't really working. Like I've, even in music, I've had that kind of, if you don't know how to talk to a different like person that has a completely different skill set and understanding of sound and music that you just get a language barrier as much as people speaking Italian and French to you. Mm. I was trying to figure out what's going on. And that's kind of like where the producer roles are supposed to be that middle person between them. Mm. I wonder if that's something that needs to be in more industries than just music. So accepting though, that those people who, who are not well-versed in the, the language and the, the context of creativity, accepting that we can't really change them <laughs> and we can't change how <laughs> they respond. What do you think us as creatives can learn from the changing dynamic and from the industry shakeup? How can we improve the way we present ourselves to the workforce and to other sectors? I guess you would like try and understand things from their, like from a basically, like, it'd be harsh to say like a non-creative point of view, but just from a real, like a reality based mm. point of view of, and try to be compassionate about what their goals and what their understanding of what, what is happening and what's going on is. So empathizing with them, understanding, and how can we, are there ways that we can educate them and positively influence them? Like, I think what I'm getting at is how can you as a young creative who's trying to build a career, how can you prove your value in the skills that you have? Is it about you know, you making content? Is it about you just having those conversations when you're interviewing for a position? Or would it be a case of you just trying to say what you know will help you get the job? (laughs) (laughs) I think that's always been the issue, yeah. Like I've always been upfront in any interview I've had, which might be the reason I haven't landed anything yet, but (laughs) it, it feels wrong to do it the other way in an ideal world, like what kind of support would you want from the people in power in order to create a sustainable sort of career in arts? I guess, yeah, it is kind of that um, kind of like safety net, that kind of reassurance that the industry won't fall apart at the slight inconvenience or slight issue. Because I feel like the media and arts is like immediately became the first thing to get influenced by this pandemic. Like the, I'm not sure if you know about the I Lost My Gig project that Australia put up a website that anyone in the creative industry in the arts any performer production crew hospitality worker can basically like go on this website and try to write in the amount of money that they've been impacted by coronavirus since this has happened i think it's up to about 350 million dollars since and that's been two months right and it's kind of sitting on just like how susceptible yeah, like music and the art and like all the performing industry is to something like this. Again, that's another positive thing that, you know, creatives have rallied together for a common cause and in a way that's, you know, a, a way for us to, to educate, let's just say the non-creatives on the value of arts and that industry. I don't think people would be surviving quarantine if it weren't for <laughs> creative content. Well, that's the thing, right? yeah. <laughs> 
it's almost ludicrous that there's not enough support for the very sector that is helping us, you know, reclaim some sort of sanity and to provide us comfort and inspire us during these times. So on a personal level, you know, what's helping you through this time that you can recommend to to people listening? Well, I've been playing music basically every day. It's been the easiest way to kind of think about something else for a long period of time, really. (laughs) Yeah, just like any hobby, any anything to like use that creative energy that like the energy I would have been using somewhere else and kind of be productive in like whatever sense productive is really. (laughs) (laughs) No baking banana bread, decluttering your pantry or anything like that. I think I've I've done all that at some point. (laughs) Tell us more about your music because we haven't really touched on that, but you not only as a listener of music, but you're interested in composition. Yeah. So I've been getting into that more recently. I've tried to like, yeah, do film score, that sort of, composing aspect trying to learn more about that dive into that into a more realistic sense and more just like not just something I do every now and then yeah building a discipline around it honing the craft so to speak yeah try to do it more than just like every now and then try to explore this kind of way of writing music instead of just sitting down at the piano or guitar and just try to piece something together randomly try to yeah be more disciplined and focused about it has this always been a passion it's always been like a back of the mind kind of creative itch you know when you get like a an itch in the back of your head where it's like i should i should do that at some point and then i may as well do this now basically i have all this time that's not (laughs) creatively anywhere else do you see yourself working in that field like is that something that you aspire to to do compose scores for film Uh, it's something i'd be interested in trying i think in like a small sense of something I'd be interested in exploring. I think exploring different things is something I've always been as interested in as finding a niche to go into. Right. Yes. And I would, I would say that that's a very, um, that's quite a a positive trait, the willingness to explore and learn. As we mentioned, Mm. like it's no longer a case of being a sustainable creative, just having the one thing. And I think on a personal level for me, I've, I used to always think that was a weakness, you know, being interested in too many things. Yeah, definitely. I feel the same way. Yeah. But I think over time and I'm, I'm still, you know, building it within myself, but coming to terms with the fact that is a positive thing, that it's a strength because Mm. it means that you can be adaptable, like in, you know, circumstances like we face now that you, you can adapt your skills to what's in demand, what will enable you to, you know, build a career for yourself without, you know, you think about a lot of people who have one specific trade. Having all those interests has worked in our favour because you can explore different things from the comfort of your own home. Yeah. (laughs) In these times of isolation, like how do do you go by where inspiration leads or are you building that discipline around getting better at your music and your other work? I think it's some sort of combination of the two. Like it's definitely, like I've always been musically just improvisational, kind of do everything from like a random starting point and then try to hone everything from there. And then, yeah, trying to gain discipline from that aspect. I think the discipline of music is something that I don't really have and is something I think it takes a long time to (laughs) kind of be able to figure out. Did you do lessons as a child? Yeah, did I did lessons for about a decade, really. And then... As in yeah. piano and, and guitar? Uh, bass and guitar, yeah. And then wanted to explore other instruments, really. 
Describe the feeling of playing music for us. What, what is it that, you know, I always like to, you know, pick people's brain about it, but what is it about this particular creative outlet that is so rewarding for you? I think it's the only one that like I've explored at least that it forces you to get out of your own head and you're solely focused on something and you're not actually thinking about anything else while you're doing it. Whereas like if you're filming something, if you're working on a project with sound design, you're wholly thinking about the process where while you're creating music, you're not really thinking about anything. At least that's how I've explored it. So like a kind of escape where you can sort of be free, be kind of let loose. Yeah. And then, then you can look back on it afterwards and think of it that way. I think that harkens to the idea that art allows us to express ourselves. I'm I'm sure that, you know, other people who do things like um, painting or even dance sort of Mm. have similar, that similar feeling from it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Rather than, as you said, producing something that requires a collaboration Mm. where you're constantly, you know, aware of the process rather than free. I want to give you the opportunity now as we wrap up to maybe give a word of advice or encouragement to your fellow peers. So people listening who might be in the same position as you, what do you want to say to them? I guess like, yeah, like the upskilling kind of area is something that is worth exploring, but upskilling something you're kind of have that creative itch for, like not something that you think, oh, this will get me employed at a certain point in my career more this is something that I would like to do at some point and it's something that I will enjoy and have like actually be motivated towards doing instead of have been motivated by an end result Mm, mm. so So, yeah the process yeah so like me trying to learn a different software or learn a different musical instrument it's not about getting hired at a certain point it's about wanting to actually know that that skill and trying to pursue that instead of the end result really. And I think that's great advice for anyone listening. You know, (laughs) I think we sometimes attach so much meaning to the outcome and how that looks from a tangible level, whether it's, you know, a certain achievement or success that people can celebrate, but it's really about process, right? And enjoying, enjoying the privilege of being able to express your creativity and do it. So I think that's, Mm. that's awesome. Um, anything else you'd want to share with them? Any other, you know, tips or tricks to kind of deal with this lockdown that we've still got another couple of weeks of or any resources that you kind of want to recommend? I just like buy a cheap musical instrument. We have all this, like, at least I do just income that would have been reserved for going out or going to gigs anything like that is now up for grabs basically so you may as well learn something like that yeah nice what would what would you recommend people start with a midi keyboard for like a hundred dollars and then a free program and then yeah nice one yeah you've heard it first guys so (laughs) buy a little midi keyboard i was going to say ukulele but that's probably a bit old school but you're right digital stuff i haven't thought about that i should um yeah i should play around with like the potential is a bit higher than a ukulele yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's true that's true um well darcy lastly where can people uh, find you online if people wanted to connect with you wanted to you know potentially collaborate you know, whether it's been music or sound or just wanted to have a chat to another fellow creative, where can they find you online? 
Oh, uh, my website's read.sound as uh, read slash sound.com. That's where all my projects have been uploaded towards. It should have more content coming out soon in some sort of website that we're formulating with a couple of friends of mine, mainly like film reviews, uh, mainly like a writing platform, hopefully something on YouTube in the future. Fantastic. <laughs> okay. We'll make sure to put the, that link in the, our description. But thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us, Darcy. We've, we really love yeah, having fun. you on and um, hearing about your thoughts about the industry and to also hear about your um, your pathway as you're navigating it all. And we can't wait to keep updated and see what awesome creative work is ahead. So thanks for joining <laughs> us. <laughs> no worries, thank you.